Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Yeah, you look good. Come on, why don't you look at the person next to you and say, I'm so glad I get to sit next to you at church today. I'm so glad. If that's your spouse, that's a good thing. If you're both single, hey, we might have just helped you out. A <laughs> couple of things really quickly. Uh, Super Saturday, you heard it in the announcement. This Saturday, 10 to 2 at the Civic Center, told you last week that we have made a shift, and instead of doing our own event, we're going to be a part of the citywide. This is the first annual citywide community event, back-to-school event, where there's going to be backpacks, supplies, um, lots of fun, food, um, exams, haircuts, all kinds of things going on from 10 to 2 at the Civic Center on Saturday, August the 5th. And we want you to be there. We want you to be a part of what God's doing in our community. I think this is a huge deal for us to come together and businesses and churches and people uh, for one cause, and that's just to, um, in this instance, to love on some kids and families and be a blessing to them. And so we want you to be a part of that. And you can do that. Let us know that you're going to be there. You can always just show up, but it always helps us if you register on the Church Center app so we can be prepared uh, ahead of time for, uh, for who all is going to be there and have um, adequate help and all that. And a lot of you have already done that. There's a lot of you that have already signed up to serve. But if you haven't done that, I want to invite you to do that. Be a part of, of the event this Saturday. Uh, also want to let you know Grow Groups are, are I was going to say spring, I'm in the wrong season. Our fall semester will begin the first week of September, so the week of September the 3rd. We'll begin um, an 11-week semester, I believe it is. It takes us all the way up to Thanksgiving, then we break during the holidays. Uh, but we want you to be a part of groups. And I know we're a few weeks away, but I'm telling you, because if you're interested in leading a group, two things. You have to have gone through next steps so that you, uh, you've gone through that, uh, that process and you know our vision and our heart behind groups and what, it's, what we do, uh, what we're trying to accomplish through that. And so go through next steps in August. And, uh, and, and be a part of leading a group. And what you'll do is go on the Church Center app, click on More, and then Grow Group Leader Form, and you'll fill out that information so that we can have that, all of that submitted to the church office, and then we'll go through those, make sure everything, uh, everything lines up. One extra thing that we are doing, we're excited about, we're going to begin this semester, is uh, we're going to have grow groups for our kids. Come on, somebody. And uh, this, is, this is a huge deal. There was one group last, last semester that was specific for kids. This is going to be every Wednesday night. We'll have youth on Wednesday nights, and then we'll also have all of the kids here uh, for, for grow groups themselves. And so if you're leading a group and you want to have that on Wednesday night, it could also double as child care for your group to where the people in your group could drop their kids off at the church. And uh, it's not going to be child care because we're not just going to be chasing them around. They're going to be learning and growing and, and doing the things that us as adults have been doing for the last almost seven years. Uh, they're going to be in community together. And so we're excited about this. Uh, but keep that in mind as you prepare to lead a group. If you're going to do that, uh, Wednesday night is a great option. You don't have to do it on Wednesday night. If another night works better for you and, and you want to do it a different way, that is totally fine. We've always left groups up to... Uh, to multiple nights of the week, and I think that also helps people be able to attend, but I think that this will also be able to help you attend um, if it is on a Wednesday night, but knowing that you have built-in child care where your kids are going to be learning and growing here at the church as well. So keep that in mind. And the next steps, you heard it, these next two Sundays, part one and part two, uh, where you're going to learn all about our vision and mission as a church and how you can get involved, how you can get on a team. Uh, we talk about that a lot, but this is going to give you the heart behind um, the church getting started and what we're all about, what our vision is, and why we do what we do, and how you can get involved, and what we believe about certain things, and all those things. And we believe that if, if you're going to link arms with a church, we want you to know what that church is about. You know, And so we talk about our government structure and how we handle finances and all of that in that class. And so that's why we created that, was to have a way for you to be able to come out of that and say, I can make an educated decision on if I want to be a part of this church, and I want to jump in, I want to begin to serve, and I can feel confident in what I'm a part of and what I'm, what I'm doing. Uh, the last thing I want to do before we get into the Word is pray for another church in our community. And today I want to pray for First Assembly of God Church. And so if you will, let's bow our heads and let's say a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you once again that we have the opportunity to be here in this room and link arms with so many across our community to build your kingdom together and to, on this day specifically, to lift you up and give you praise and honor and 
Lord, we are so thankful for so many incredible churches across this city. And today we pray specifically for First Assembly. I pray that you would bless them, that you'd bless them financially, that you would bless their leadership, their pastor, their congregation. Lord, that, uh, that they would be about building your kingdom. And we thank you that we have the opportunity to link arms with them to build your kingdom together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, well, we are going to be in... Uh, Matthew chapter 11 as we get started I told you a couple of weeks ago this is kind of a season where we're not in a series but there are a few messages that uh, over time the Lord has put on my heart and I'll make notes on them and and then bring them to you uh, in certain seasons and this has been one of those seasons and uh, so today we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 11 and I want to start in verse 1 and we'll go through verse 6 and uh, then we'll see what uh, what the Lord wants to do today says, when Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, he went out to teach and preach in towns throughout the region. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. I love the, the New American Standard Bible. Um, if you ever look at that or you, on the Bible app and you go between different translations, it is, uh, I love the way that it words it. It's actually one of the ones that is believed to be the closest uh, one of the closest ones to the original wording of things. And this is how it says, verse 6. Jesus says, And blessed is any person who does not take offense at me. Blessed is any person who does not take offense at me. Um, you ever been offended by someone? <laughs> I'll get off this in just a second. We're not going to stay here. But, um, you know, someone gossip behind your back or... Someone said they would do one thing and then they did another. Or somebody, come on, somebody said they were going to meet you at 6 o'clock and they didn't show up till 6.30. And you're frustrated and you're offended at them. Or spouse made you promises and then broke those promises. And here's the reality. We all get offended at people quite often. Um, it's easy to get offended a lot of times. But maybe a better question to ask, and this is kind of where I want to, I want to I give you this question and then... I want to talk about what to do um, with this question or with this circumstance in your life or with these circumstances in your life. And here's the question. Have you ever been offended at God? You ever been praying for something and God didn't do it and you got offended at God? You've been believing for something that didn't happen in your timing and you got offended at God or God didn't answer your prayer. He hasn't healed your body. doesn't seem to care about your struggling marriage. And this is kind of where I want to go today is what do you do when God doesn't do what you want him to do? In fact, the title of my message today is what to do when God doesn't do what you want him to do. What do you do when God doesn't do what you want him to do? Anybody ever found yourself in a moment where God was not doing what you thought he should be doing? And you were trying to help God. Anybody ever been trying to help God? You know, it's like, God, I can really point you in the right direction with this prayer, you know, it's like with this answer to this prayer, I can give you, I can give you some insight, you know, like God doesn't know all things. But my question to you is, what do you do? Because we've all had moments, seasons, times in life where God didn't do exactly what we wanted him to do. And what do you do in that moment? Where do you find yourself? How do you, how do you wrestle with the fact that I prayed one thing, and I haven't seen it yet. Or I didn't see it the way that I thought I would see it, right? And I, I can't stand on this stage and pretend to tell you that I understand why God does and doesn't do things in certain ways. I mean, there are just some things that we, sometimes you're just at a loss. You just don't know, like, why did God do it that way? Why didn't God come through in this way? Why is God waiting? Why, you know, why is... Why are all these things happening? Why didn't my family member get healed? Or why did I lose the person I love? Why is it such a struggle, you know, to have a child? Or why did we have a miscarriage? Or why did that terrible thing happen to my kid? And, 
We all know Isaiah tells us, we're not going to read it, but Isaiah tells us that God's ways are not our ways. They're higher, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so there are some things like we're trying to get our thought level, you know, through the Holy Spirit. Our, our thoughts are not God's thoughts. Like God sees way bigger, and he sees way more, and his thoughts are way higher than our thoughts, and his ways are way higher and way greater than our ways. But I do want to try to help you maybe reframe um, and, and many of you would want this to be a message to where it's like, okay, tell me a three-step process to get God to do what he's not doing. And I don't have that message for you. I, I, don't, I don't have that answer for you. But what I can do is try to help you reframe how you view God and what you, what you need to do, what's important to do when God's not doing what you want him to do. So... What do we do when God doesn't do what we want him to do? Here's the first thing. I think we trust God's sovereignty. We trust God's sovereignty. Now, sovereignty is a, you know, it's a Christianese word. Um, it's something that we, we throw around a lot in, you know, in churches and all of that. But here's what sovereign means. It's supreme power or authority. So when God's not doing what you think he ought to be doing, are you somebody who leans back and trust that God has all authority and that God has all power and that God is still on the throne and that God is not missing you in the crowd of people. I love, I love Paul writes this to, the, uh, to believers. This is a Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. In other words, you know, Jesus himself even said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right, like I like what it show us the Father, and He says, "Look at me, look at me. What does God look like? Look at me, look at me, look at what I'm doing, look at who I am, look at what I'm about." Christ is a visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, and is supreme over all creation. For through Him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. And we know this, that, that we would refer to this as the Trinity, that there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're three in one. There's one God, three people, one God, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, go into all the world, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we see this throughout Scripture. And, and Jesus is saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen what God looks like if you've seen me. And I love what Paul writes. He says this at the very end. He says, he existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. So you can trust no matter what you're walking through. No matter what you're walking through. And I know you walk through hard things. I know you do. Some of you are walking through hard things right now. And you come into church, and you're barely even here. Because there's something really hard going on in your life. But you can, in the middle of that, trust that God is all-knowing and that he is all-powerful and that he has all authority and that he sees you and that he holds everything together. I love this, this psalm. We're all familiar with Psalm 23. The very next one, the first two verses say, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean's depths. Have you ever heard the song? Anybody remember the song as a kid? He's got the whole world. Whole world. In his hands, he's got the... Come on, everybody together, right? <laughs> does everybody remember that song? He's got the whole world in his hands, right? He really does. It's not just something that we sang as a child and that we can, you know, sing on the spot, evidently. But it's actually a true statement that he has the whole world in his hand. So whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're facing, whatever you're walking through, it's not too big for God. And God, he knows all things. And God is all-powerful. And God has all authority. And in the middle of whatever you're facing, you can just be reminded, I'm in the palm of the hand of God. Because he holds the world, whole world in his hand. And I can trust him. I can trust his sovereignty even in this moment. He has all power. He has all authority. And he's always wanted us to trust him. You ever felt like you had a better way of doing things than God did? 
You ever felt like, you ever, you ever thought, maybe we don't say it out loud, maybe you have said it out loud, that's fine. But you ever think things like, if I was God? You ever been through, walking through something really hard and you were like, if I was God, I would fix this. If I was God, I would take away all pain. If I was God, I would alleviate all poverty. If I was God, there wouldn't be third world countries and first world countries like we would all be. If I was God, I would do it differently. If I was God, I'd give them a child. If I was God, I would heal them. If I was God, I'd give me more money. If I was God, right? And sometimes we think that we can lead God on the right path. You know, it's like, okay, like maybe you didn't hear, like I wasn't clear in my prayer, you know? You're not doing what I want you to do, so let me be a little more clear and I can help you. If I was God, I would do it this way. And many times we feel like God is not doing things right or he's messing things up. But the reality is, is that if we had all the power and we had all authority, we would mess everything up. Sometimes we wish. Have you ever wished like you had the ability to, to like change things and do things? And, and to some degree, God uses us to, to change and, and, and do his will in the earth. He is doing that. Be ever just wish that you had, it's like, I wish I had all power and all authority, because I would change things, I would shift things, I would do things different. If I was God, I would do it differently. And here's what I know about me, and what you probably know about you, is if I had all the authority, and I had all power, and I was all-knowing, and I, you know, like, could see all of this, I would screw everything up. Because sometimes, sometimes we pray prayers to change our situation, but if it changed our situation, what other situation would it change? Because we can't see it all. We can't see it all. And so often, like what I got up here and shared with you, that we're so focused on what we're dealing with because it's real to us. It's a real problem. It's a real struggle. It's a real circumstance. It's a real struggling marriage. It's a real child that's far from God. It's a, I mean, it's, it's real. But we have a tendency to only see what is right in front of us, and we can't see the whole picture. And we've got to learn that when God's not doing what we want him to do, we've got to trust that he is all-knowing, and he is sovereign, and that he is all-powerful, and that he has all authority. We could say it this way, that God is completely good, completely just, and completely right all the time. Well, Pastor Gabe, you're not in my situation. No, I'm not in your situation, but I can tell you three things. I can tell you that God is always good, and that God is always just, and that God is always right all the time. Well, what about if my situation doesn't look like, no, God is always good, and God is always just, and God is always right all the time. And that ought to, that ought to relieve, come on, I'm trying to take some prick. that ought to, like, like, I don't have to do it. I can actually trust God in this moment. In this situation, I can lean back into the arms of God and say, you know what, God, you've got this. You've got this. I'm going to trust you, even though you're not doing what I think you ought to be doing we're not always going to understand what what god is doing but i i pray that we would be people that could say things like i don't understand but god's doing something god's doing something i don't quite get it but i know god's working we were at a conference this last week for for a lot of pastors and um there was a uh, there was a pastor that was speaking leading the whole thing and he made this statement maybe you've heard this before he says when god's doing something he's doing something and when God's not doing something, he's doing something. When, God's, when, when you can't see what God's doing, that doesn't mean that he's not doing something. It's easy for us to realize God's doing something when we can see what he's doing. And things are kind of working out and things are getting better. And, but when, when you can't see God's hand, you can still trust him. And you can know that he is still working, he is still doing something. I'm not sure what to do, but I know God knows. I don't know why God hasn't done it yet, but I trust that he has a plan. And we quote this verse all the time, and I love, you ought to go, you ought to go read Jeremiah, honestly. This is Jeremiah 29, 11, and we love this verse, don't we? This is like a Christian's verse, you know? It's like we, we put it on our mirrors, and we put it in our cars, and, you know, we have it as the wallpaper on our phone, and, you know, it's like to try to be reminded that for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a hope or give you a future and a hope. We have to be reminded sometimes that even when, if you go read Jeremiah, this was not a good time. We read that verse and we're like, God has good plans. And it's like, did you read the context? Like God's speaking to his people and he's saying, what you're in right now doesn't look good. 
but I have good plans for you. I know what my plans are for you. And so in the, middle of, in the middle of whatever you're facing, you can know that God has good plans for you. That he knows it all, he has all authority, has all power. And in that sovereignty, he's chosen this good plan for your life. And the beautiful thing, I love this, the beautiful thing about God is that even in this all-knowing, all-authority, all-power knowing the beginning from the, you know, the end from the beginning and all of this, he allows us and invites us into the process of what he's doing on the earth. Like he, he wants to do it through us. It's like, this is the plan. This is what, this is what I'm about. And I'm inviting you in so that you can be a part of it. And sometimes as we're a part of that plan, we don't always understand everything that's happening and why it didn't happen and why it did happen. And why did it happen that way? And I thought it was going to happen this way. And God has, I've been praying for three years and I haven't seen the thing that I've been praying for. We've got to learn to trust God's sovereignty. When God doesn't do what you want him to do, trust his sovereignty. Here's the second thing. What do we do when God doesn't do what we want him to do? So we trust God's character. And you probably know what character is, but just so we can put language around it, it's attributes that make up or distinguish an individual, usual qualities or traits. And we often say things like this. Maybe you've been in relationship with somebody, you've known somebody, and they did something that was out of character. And you look at that situation and you think, that, that's not who they usually are. That's out of character. And we can say that about one another because how many of you know that we often do things that are out of character? We may mean well, but we do things that are out of character and we catch people off guard. But can I let you in a little secret? God never does anything out of character. He's consistent. Whew, you ought to thank God that he is consistent in his character. No matter what you see, no matter what your life looks like, God never does anything out of character. And going back to verses 2 and 3 of Matthew 11, it says, John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? And John is, John is hearing, if, if you look at what's happening here, he's in prison, and he's hearing about all the things that Jesus is doing. He's hearing about all the good things that Jesus is doing. And so he sends messengers to Jesus. And he says, hey, go ask Jesus, my translation, if he's going to do anything for me. I'm hearing about all the things that he's doing. And you've been telling me and telling me and telling me and telling me and I'm hearing it and I'm getting word about these things and I'm in prison and I'm hearing about how he's setting people free. And I'm hearing about how he's healing people. And I'm hearing about the good news being preached and all of these different things. But go ask him, like, are you the one that we are expecting? Or do we need to wait for somebody else? And we may not ask this question in this wording, but don't we ask this question? I mean, we're walking through something difficult and it doesn't seem like God's coming through. And in that moment, we're like, okay, I've heard that you are good. But are you really good? I've heard that you can, like, I've heard of what you've done. You ever heard about other, what God's doing in other people's lives? Testimonies of something that God did in somebody else's life, and then you stop and you're like, you know, and it's like, Sometimes we, we react like John the Baptist, I believe, and it's like he sends these messengers to Jesus, and we find people, don't we? We find people that, that we feel like are prayer warriors, you know, like, <clears throat> like they really talk to God, you know? Did you know that you can talk to God the same as anybody else in this room? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. Not just somebody, like you gave your life to Jesus, he lives inside of you. So you have, direct, you have a direct line to God. But we do this sometimes. We'll find people and it's like, whew, they really know how to pray. It's like you're going to get them in a small group and it's like, that's the person that's praying right there. You know, like we want them to pray because when they pray, they're going to pray the walls down. You know, it's like, whoa, you know. And there are, you know, some people that have, I think that there is this gift of intercession and praying for people and things like that. But we'll find people and we're like, okay, like, can you go to God? And can you ask him? You know, I've been hearing about all the good things he's done and I've seen this testimony and I've heard about him doing this over here. And it's like, can you? Maybe just ask God if he still sees me. Like, can you go to God and ask, like, are you the one that I need to be praying to? Or should I be looking for somebody else? And we'll even, and we even, sometimes we'll, in our minds, we'll think it like, okay, God, are you going to come through? 
in my marriage or do I need to figure out my own solution? Are you going to bring my child, I've been praying for my child, are you going to bring my child back to you or do I need to figure out my own way? Because I've been, I've been praying about it and you're not doing what I want you to do in the way that I want you to do it. And so, like, are you good? Can you be trusted? Do I need to look for a different method? Like, do I need to figure out some other way to get this done because you're not doing what I want you to do? And we have to be reminded of God's character. And sometimes we hear testimonies of other people's marriages. And why did, why did you restore their marriage, but mine is still struggling? Or why are you blessing their business and not mine? Or why are their kids serving you, but mine aren't? Or why did you heal them, but I haven't received my healing? And we... We look around and sometimes, don't we, don't we sometimes forget the character of God? We begin to question, God, are you, are you this and are you that and are you this? And God's response to that would be like, I never change. I'm always that. Me being that is not determined by what you're walking through. That's my character. And we have to trust God's character when we don't see him doing anything, maybe in the moment. Romans 8, I love Romans 8. You ought to go read, you really ought to go read all of Romans. You really ought to just go read all 66 books in the Bible. You really should. <laughs> just put that plug in there. Romans 8, 28, we quote Romans 8, 28 a lot. I want to read 28 and 29, but I, I, think, I think this shows us a little bit of God's character. And we know that God causes everything. We know it. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. And are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance. Did you know that God knew you in advance? Amen. Before you were ever born, God knew you. God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. So that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. I love this verse. Every time I read Romans 8, 28, I'm reminded of the fact that God never wastes anything. Even what you're walking through right now, what you've been through over the last six months, or what you've been through over the last ten years, or what you can't seem to... To, to forgive that person for 10 years ago or you can't forgive yourself for or whatever it is. God doesn't waste anything. Anything that's happened to you says, no, we know that God's taken everything and he's going to work it together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I think that, I think that if you want a great picture of the character of God, you can look at Psalm 103. And I want to start in verse 7 and look at this. It says, he revealed his what? Character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far, as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. I've had, I've had conversations with people, you know, along the way of they, they almost feel like they're being punished for what they've done in the past. Like, well, you don't know my past, and this is God. You know, they walk through something, it's like this is God's way of punishing me and making me pay for what I did in the past. Can I just, can I just set some people free today? God is not looking for a way to punish you. And, and, here's, and here's the the mentality behind that is almost this feeling like I have to pay for, I have to pay for all of the wrong that I did. Can I ask you a real simple question? If you have to pay for the wrong that you did, why did Jesus have to die? If you have to pay for it. If God is, like we, sometimes I think we struggle and we view God and we're, it's like he's looking down and it's like, yep. It's exactly what you deserve. It's exactly what you get. You just got what was coming to you. Yep, that's my punishment. You remember 13 years ago when you did that and you weren't living for me and now you're trying to live for me and you're following me? That's the punishment for that. If, like if we have to pay for our sin, then why did Jesus have to pay for our sin? The Bible says that Jesus came to take our place and he took all of our sin and all of our shame and all of our getting all those things on himself. And he died and he was buried. And he rose again so that we could have life. So that we could have life. Listen, 
when you give your life to Jesus, this is so wonderful. When you give your life to Jesus, it says that he washes you clean. His blood washes you clean. And, and your sins, we just read it, your sins are cast as far as the east is from the west into the sea of forgetfulness, which you're like, how can God forget? He chooses to forget yes. your sin. Yes. He chooses to forget it. He makes the decision, I choose that I am not going to remember their sin and I'm going to cast it into the sea of forgetfulness. And they're a new creation. And God's not looking. Now, look, listen, there are consequences for our actions. There's consequences here on earth for our actions. We're not talking about consequences. You know, if, if you're having to walk through some consequences, that's, that's part of it. But here's the great news. God's walking with you through them. He's faithful to be with you through them. But he's not holding that against you if you're in Christ. He's not holding that against you if you're in Christ. So that's how good God is. That so, man, whenever you, whenever you were washed in the blood, and you're like, well, God, what about that? And God's like, what? I chose to forget that. <laughs> man, he's, he's a good, good, good father. His character, he, is, he has good character. We look for people around here to be in relationship with and friendship with and have good character. God's character is always good. It's always good. We don't, have to, we don't have to create the character of God, and we don't get to create the character of God. He's always had the same character. Our God is, and I think we have these on the screen, just pulling these out of Psalm 103, which, is, which, which you can see in other places in the Old Testament as well. Our God is tender, compassionate, merciful, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. God, I'm going through something really, really difficult right now that I don't understand, it, and I've been praying about it for months, and it just has not gone away but i know i can trust you because you have unfailing love toward me god this is really really difficult and i'm trying to hold on to this this marriage and we're trying to make it through but it just seems like it is a struggle after struggle after struggle but i can continue to trust you and i'm going to continue to trust you because your character shows that you're good and you're tender and you're compassionate and you see me it's who he is we have to be reminded of who he is in the times when we can't see what he's doing. We can still trust him because his character is good. When God doesn't do what you want him to do, trust his character. Here's the next one. What do we do when God doesn't do what we want him to do? We trust God's timing. We trust God's timing. This is a hard one, isn't it? <laughs> Sometimes this is really difficult because God's timing is not always our timing. Isn't it crazy to think that God actually stands outside of time? That we're in time, and God stands outside of time and sees every bit of it at the same time. That he can see, he's already been there, and 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 he, like, he stands outside of time and sees everything. He's all-knowing. All he can see it all. You ever received what you were praying for, but it took longer than you wanted it to? You ever felt like God was too late? Well, God, if you'd have showed up when I was 21, it wouldn't be too late. Now I'm 40. I say that because I'm getting close. God, if you would have, if you'd have came through in my 30s, now it's too late. I can't do it. I'm 60. You're too late. You're too late. Can I just tell you today, God's never too late. God is never, ever, ever too late. Even when it feels like he's too late, he's never too late. Maybe you're even still waiting for an answer to a prayer today. I'm, I'm reminded, I was reminded of a story that every single one of you are going to be familiar with. Whether you've read it or not, you've probably heard it. But it's a story, anybody ever heard of Lazarus? You know who Lazarus is? Um, I want to read just seven verses, but there's something specific that maybe you've noticed. I just want to pull it out of these seven verses. It says, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair, which is crazy to me because we've read that story. It's like one chapter later in, in John where she comes in and she, you know, pours the perfume on Jesus and wipes, you know, tears and hair and all this. You know, you've heard that story. This is the same Mary that one chapter before her brother was just raised from the dead. You know what I'm saying? Like, what would you do if your brother was raised? Like, 
been dead for four days and Jesus shows up and I'll be like, I might do that too, you know? And sometimes we separate it, but it, like, it's interesting for me to think like chronologically, this had just happened. And then a little bit later on, she comes in, you know, doing this. And so, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Some translations would translate verse, um, verses 5 and 6 to say that because Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for two days. Some would say, and Jesus loved them so he stayed where he was for two more days. Can I submit to you that sometimes because God loves you, he waits. And we have to learn how to trust his timing. And you think it was hard for them to trust? Jesus shows up after Lazarus has been dead for four days. And what, what do the sisters tell him? If you'd been here. If you'd been here. If you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. If you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. If you'd have been here, you're too late. You're too late. And Jesus, I can, I can picture it in my mind, Jesus thinking, I'm not too late. Take me to where he's buried. I'm not too late. But it's interesting to me that in the midst of this, Jesus loved them, so he stayed where he was for two more days. And then when he shows up, they think he's late because Lazarus has been dead for four days. And if you read the story, you know, that they even tell him, it's like, Lord, he stinks. You know, like, we're past that point. He smells terrible. But in all of this, if you read the entire story, there was so, there was so much more going on in this story than what was right there in front of them. God was doing so, something so much bigger than just coming to heal their brother who was sick. And you see it even right there at the end of it where he says, Lazarus' sickness is not going to end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. In other words, he's letting them in a little insight. He says, oh no, there's something way bigger going on here. And you just need to trust me. Trust me. Trust my timing. Because I love you, I'm going to hang out here for two months. Because I love you, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. And that no doesn't mean forever, but it means I'm going to wait. I'm going to give it some time. When God doesn't do what you want him to do, trust his timing. Trust his timing. He's never been caught off guard. He's never been surprised by anything. Sometimes his timing just doesn't align with our timing or what we would like for him to do. But what do we do when, when God's not doing what we want him to do? We trust his timing. We trust his sovereignty. We trust his character. And then here's one last thing that I think it's important for all of us to remember. And I'll kind of bring it together with this point. It's a mindset. It's a mindset. Because some of you even right now, you're, like, you're struggling. It's like, man, how do you, but how do you get there? How do you get to the place to where your thought is when you're walking through something hard? I just trust God. I just trust God. And I want to read you something. As I was studying for this message, I read this, and I just put it word for word in my notes so I could read it to you. It says, A mindset is impossible to change without changing what your mind is filled with. Typically, when we hear the truth about breaking strongholds or renewing our, of our mind, we get busy trying to change our mindsets. Anybody ever tried to change your mindset? You hear about renew your mind. It's like, all right, I'm on it. You know, got to change my mindset, change what I'm thinking about. It says, we quickly learn that it is not an easy task. Listen to this. A mindset is what controls you. The mind is what you control. A mindset will actually control what you do. But your mind is what you get to control. Now listen, the only way to change your default and automatic thinking is by filling your conscious mind with new information of God's truth. Once the conscious mind is filled to the overflow, it slips into the subconscious mind. And 95% of our behaviors are automatic. That is why we set goals, 
but we do not reach them. Setting goals is a function of the conscious mind, but reaching them is a task of the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind occupies most of the brain. It does not work by logic, therefore it believes anything that it is told repeatedly by the conscious mind. Your subconscious mind is not operating by logic. The thing that's leading you to do the things that you do, it's not operating by logic. It's, it's operating by what it's been told repeatedly over time. It's important that we feed our minds with information from the Word of God. Holy Spirit turns that information, which we fed our minds with, into revelation, and this soon, soon becomes our new mindset. It soon becomes our new mindset. Worship team, you can come back and help me. A lot of times we're trying to change our mindset, but I love this because it points out the fact that there are actually two parts of your mind. There's the conscious mind and the subconscious mind, and the subconscious mind is the part that, is, that, that we're just operating out of a lot of times. You ever driven to work and not even remember how you got there? It's because your subconscious mind has been fed that information over and over and over and over and over again. And so you really don't even have to think how to get there. You just do it. And some of us, we go into work and we're, you know, it's like we, we read our Bible one time because we know that's what we're supposed to do. And then we go to work and we yell at our coworker, which is what we were going to not do anymore. And the reason we yelled at our coworker is because of the information we've been feeding our mind for so long. We think that just one moment of doing something different, feeding something different is going to do that. But this, was, this is telling us that you've got to do it over and over and over and over and over again. And what's funny is we have no problem doing this with other things. We feed our mind things over and over and over and over again. Can I just tell you the, thing, the, the way that you speak and the actions that you take and the things that you do and how you operate and you don't even have to think about them? It's because of what you have fed your conscious mind and it has filled up so much that it spills over into your subconscious mind, which is 95% of your brain. And that's what you act out of. So you can set a goal thinking this is what I need to do, but if you don't feed the right things in constantly you won't act that out because your subconscious is working from what it's been taught for so long. This is why we have to get in God's word and be in prayer and get in the truth of God over and 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 over. And when our conscious mind gets so full of it, it starts to spill into our subconscious mind and wash the other stuff out. Now all of a sudden it's like, I'm not yelling anymore. I'm... I'm actually like, I look forward to, it's just what I do. I get up in the morning, I read God's word. I've just, I fed it into my mind so much that it's spilling over into the 95% that just leads me to do whatever I do. And now I don't even have to think about it. Like I get up and it's just part of my, I get up and it's like, this is what I do. I go to work and this is what I do. I set a goal and this is what I do because I have fed that into my mind over and over and over and over. Listen, can I, can I submit to you that the problem might just be maybe, maybe, consistency. We're consistent with so many things in our lives and then we wonder why our lives follow that path. It's because we've consistently put that in our mind over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Over again. That's why Paul tells us in Romans 12, we all know this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's, you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. But we do this by filling our minds with his word and everything about him. Paul, he also says in Philippians 4, and now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I love the Amplified Bible says to continually think, and it words it this way, center your mind on these things. Center your mind on these things over and over and over and over and over again. And eventually it starts spilling into that part of your brain, that part of your mind that you operate out of. And your mind's being renewed. Your mind's being renewed. And now I act differently. And now I speak differently. And now I operate differently. And now I'm, I'm, I'm more loving and I care more. It's because I've been feeding my mind over and over and over and over and over again. 
what we, what we fill our minds with becomes our mindset. Now, we're about done. I know the worship team's up here looking like, when do we get to play? But I need to, for like 30 seconds, I need to get in your business, and then I'll get back out of it, and we'll worship together. And then I'll just leave that with you, and you can think about that and process that on your way home today and over the next, you know, rest of your life. <laughs> what we fill our minds with becomes our mindset. Listen to me. Some of us, some of us need to get off the news. Oh, I got some claps. You are like. Some of us need to get off the news. Why? Why? Is it because the news is bad? The people on the news are bad? The, no. It's because it is feeding fear into your mind. And you wonder why you live your life fearful. It's because you have filled your mind over and over and over and over and over again at 5 o'clock and at 6 o'clock and at 10 o'clock and at 8 o'clock in the morning. and all You've fed it over and over and over with fearful things. And so you're operating out of fear. Listen, some of us, some of us need to listen more to worship music than we do secular music because it's not setting your mind on God. Well, Pastor Gabby, you tell me if I listen to secular music, I'm going to hell. I didn't say that. Don't go post that on social media. Don't. But I am asking you, what are you feeding your mind? And you wonder why you see women a certain way and you see men a certain way and you feel hopeless about things. It's because of what you've been feeding your mind over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And when you start to change what you're feeding your mind over and over, I'm not talking about for three days. I'm talking about for the rest of your life, you, this becomes a lifestyle to where you're pouring it in and pouring it in and pouring it in and pouring it in and pouring it in. It can't help but come out of you. It's the only thing that's in you. It changes you. Some of us, I like this one. Some of us just need to get off social media. Have you ever had the thought, have you ever had the thought, I probably need to get off social media. And then you're like, oh. I'm not going to know anything. <laughs> and that's the only connection I have with 1,737 people <laughs> on my friends list. <laughs> and you talk yourself out of it. Now, look, I'm not telling you social media is bad. I'm not telling you social media is the devil. I've wondered sometimes, but... <laughs> I'm not telling you any of those things, okay? I love social media. I use social media. Social media is a great tool. It's a terrible master. We can use it as a tool, but it's a terrible master. When it starts to control your life and it's all that's going in you, it just feeds discontentment. It feeds irritation. It feeds frustration. And you wonder why your life is, you're living this way. It's because of what you've been putting in. It's because of what you've been putting in. And maybe it's a fast for you. Maybe it's a, you know, we've got here at the end of August, we're going to go into 21 days of prayer. And we're not doing a corporate fast, but maybe it's something that you're like, man, I know I need to fast, and I need to fast that. I need to go off social media for 21 days, or whatever the case might be. I know from time to time we'll do that, my wife will do that, where we'll get off. It's like, okay, this thing is starting to, it's got a hold on me, and I'm clicking on it way too much. Some of us just need to stop clicking on Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat and TikTok and all of these other things, and we need to click on the Bible app a little bit more and feed our mind with what's going to renew it. Is this too hard? Are y'all are y'all with me, everybody? You still love me? You still good? You still coming back next week? All right. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you the truth anyway, so it's important. We could sum it up this way. What you feed your mind becomes a mindset. Becomes a mindset. Will you stand with me today? What you feed your mind with becomes a mindset. So when things don't seem to be going your way, what do you set your mind on? Is it set on your problem or the sovereignty of God, that he's all-powerful and has all authority? When God's not doing what you want him to do, are you focused on what you want or is your mind set on the character of God? Not know that he's loving and he's compassionate. He has unfailing love toward me. It's his character. I know that he's good. I know that he is love. It's who he is. When things aren't going your way, do you set your mind on your anger and frustration? Or do you remember that he has a good plan for you and you're going to trust his timing? 
important what we set our mind on when we're walking through difficult things. It really does matter. And I want to encourage you with this, and then we'll pray and sing this song. In fact, the prayer team can go ahead and make your way down to the front, ready to pray for people. God's not mad at us today in our struggle or frustration, but I do believe His desire is for us to learn to fully trust Him. I think, this is just this is just my opinion, but I think that, I think sometimes God waits because He's trying to teach us to trust Him. It's not that He's out to get us. He just wants our heart. He wants us to be sold out. He wants us to, he wants us to get to that place where it's like, I know I can trust you. I know I can. I can trust you because you're God and you're good. And your timing is always perfect. What I want us to do few minutes and we're going to pray for people but we're going to sing this song again it's the first week we've sang this song probably a new song to many of you maybe you've heard before but it's called been so good and what i want us to do is for the next few minutes maybe we would just set our set our minds on him our attention on him and be reminded of how he's been Pastor Gabe, I can't think of anything right now because things are so bad. God, I thank you that you have not left me in the middle of what I'm walking through. And even though this may be hard, you're, you're in it with me. It's like the fourth man in the fire. We can, we have a lot to be thankful for. We have a lot to be thankful for. So Lord, as we sing this song, I pray that it would not be just words, but that you would even bring back to our memories all the times you've been so good. When you've seen us through things and you've walked us through things and you came through miraculously or when you were, you were teaching us patience or when you were teaching us to trust your timing or to just trust your character. God, you have been so, so good. pray that we would be reminded in a room this size there are many of us that are walking through hard things right now that we don't know what to do we've been praying about it we don't feel like you're doing anything about it and Lord in this moment I pray that you would remind us you're all powerful you have the whole world in the palm of your hand that your character is consistent you never change trusted and that your timing is always perfect even when it doesn't make sense to us it doesn't have to make sense to us because we trust you we trust you so Holy Spirit during this time I pray that you would set our attention on you that we would be reminded of what we have to be thankful for and if there's anybody here today who needs prayer for anything in their life Holy Spirit I pray that you would draw them for prayer this morning in Jesus name.